You're listening to Sacks in the Basement, a production of the Broadcast Basement Limited, where every show is 30 minutes of good and comes from a basement bar on the south side of Chicago. Pull up a stool, pour a cold one, and join us right now for Sacks in the Basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found and always at SacksInTheBasement.com. Welcome into Socks in the Basement. My name is Chris Lanuti. Dave is off this week, but don't worry. You're going to hear plenty of him because this is the one-year anniversary of Socks in the Basement special. The best of the interviews, the best guests, things we look back on and decide, were we right? Were we wrong? Were we crazy? For the next 30 minutes, you're going to get the last year of Socks in the Basement, the good, the bad, and the ugly. But pull up a stool at my nine-foot homemade oak bar, and pour yourself a cold one and get ready for 30 minutes of socks. This should be a fun one. We'll kick it right off with the quest and eventual capture. And then he came back a second time. It's Ron Kittle. This is Socks in the Basement. Found everywhere podcasts can be found and always at SocksInTheBasement.com. I guess. I want my guy Ron Kittle. I was going to say him, but I knew you were going to pick I mean, him. I so. want him. That's my guy. I love me some Ronnie. Absolutely. I would love to get Ronnie. I think Ronnie would come and hang out at the actual bar. He might be the only person that we might have a chance of actually getting him here. He still lives in Gary, Indiana. I know. Not? I think I can get him to come over and just sit at the bar. I'm going to start pestering him very soon on social media. Awesome. media. I sent out a message earlier in the week on Twitter to Ron Kittle. Now, I've been trying to go ah. through the team, but the team is, they they admittedly told me it's going to take a few weeks for them to get me some people to talk to on the show because we're brand new. Okay. And I get that. I understand that. And that's wonderful. But I couldn't help myself. I sent Ron Kittle something from my personal Twitter account, tagging the Sacks in the Basement Twitter account saying, would you, would you come on the show? Sending him a link to the podcast. He liked it. Okay. Okay. He, he, he hit the little like button. He liked what I sent him. Okay. Okay. Sure. And, and, and I'm doing the slow fir- flirtation with Ron Kittle. Now, you so don't... I want to craft what we're going to send him this week. I want to eventually get Ron on the show. I mean, I'll take a phone interview. Of course. But my ultimate course. goal is that even if we do a phone interview, I want him to like being on the show so much that I get to have a, a beer with Ron Kittle. Yeah. And I promise not to tie him up and keep him forever. <laughs> I, I won't do it. Okay. I won't. I pledge that. Now, we, we don't have to. I'll hold you to that. There's a lot of players I could have latched onto as my favorite player of all time. Frank Thomas is a Hall of Famer. There's guys that helped us win the 2005 World Series. But there was one guy I really identified with as a kid. Coke bottle glasses, towering home runs. Ron Kittle's on the phone line with us right now on Socks in the Basement. How are you, sir? I'm doing fine. Uh, you could have picked somebody else, I'm telling you. But uh, there weren't many people that wore glasses, I can tell you that. No, there weren't. Are you taken aback? When you look now at your career and that time period and how many years have passed that you left such an indelible mark on my generation, that there are so many guys that are like, man, Kittle's cool. I'd love to hang out with Kittle. And then they see at the ballpark, they feel comfortable talking to you. And you really have become a favorite of this fan base. Why do you think that is? Well, you know, I think the important thing is my dad taught me some great lessons. uh, You know, that Dale Carnegie wrote a book, uh, how to win friends and influence people. So you know, there's a chapter in there, and it's probably the second book I ever read. Uh, it, it was taught, treat people like you want to be treated and at least knowledge them. You know, there's, not every baseball player or professional athlete is going to have a great day. I mean, you're always going to struggle with something, uh, over five, four strikeouts, whatever it is, missed free throws, lose a game. Uh, you you got to just turn it off for a second, acknowledge the people that uh, want to say hi to you. 
and uh, you know, and, and smile. I, I mean, it's not that hard if you sit there and look back at it. But uh, I've made a lot of friends over the years uh, just doing that, and I think uh, that's just part of my persona. And I've I've not changed since I was a ten year old kid. It's the same Ron Kittle. Do you think? If sabermetrics was a way that people evaluated, because there were years where you hit in the low 200s, when back then somebody might have sat there and said, I don't know, that's, that's, I mean, that's, that's probably not as big a contributor to the team. But when you break down your numbers, you had some really hidden great years in there sabermetrically. With the way the games played today, with the three true outcome way that they, they just swing for the fences, with the fact that guys aren't pitching inside as much and you can wear body armor. Do you think it would have changed your career and, and, and even improved it if you would have played in this kind of an era? No, ab- absolutely. Uh, you know, my second year after winning rookie of the year, opening series, I jumped for a ball and I dislocated my shoulder and left field hitting that old picnic area. Uh, you guys were babies at the time. You probably didn't know much about that, but it had a brick ledge. And I dislocated my shoulder. I picked the ball up and I threw it in and it popped back in the joint. So... You know, I took two days off. They wound up uh, shooting me up with cortisone, probably 15, 20 shots. And I came back that year, but I I couldn't lift my elbow to do anything. I mean, to this day, my shoulder is still hampered by that injury. uh, And it it changed it. You know, I hit about 220-something, but I hit 32 dingers. You know, throughout my career, uh, per a bat, I mean, Channel 5 did it a few years ago. I'm like number 23 all-time on home runs per a bat. You take away the steroid guys, I'm like uh, second or third. But, you know, the game has changed. Uh, you know, I took pride when I went to home plate. Remember our old hitting coach, Charlie Lau, uh, in the minor leagues, you know, I almost hit the triple crown every year I've ever played. And when I got to the big leagues, he said, son, I don't care if you ever hit 300, you swing as hard as you can and try to drive the ball out of the ballpark and you'll drive Mercedes and Cadillacs the rest of your life. And, uh, that's a pretty good antidote, but you know, you, you swing according to what your team does. And these guys currently are just swinging as hard as they can. So Ron, Dave here. Um, I wanted to ask you, I know you still spend a lot of time around the White Sox organization, around the ballpark, things like that. Can you talk about your feelings, uh, on the current rebuild? Like, you know, just any thoughts or feelings that you have about how it's going. The team struggled this year. I, I mean, I knew out of spring training when I was there, uh, they were going to have some issues. Uh, they're good two and a half days a week. The rest of it, they were just mediocre. Uh, one day they stunk completely. But, you know, they got some two talented kids on the team. Timmy Anderson is going to be a great shortstop. Uh, he's uh, maturing and he's playing smarter shortstop. He's learning how to play these players in different things. Uh, Mancata, uh, he struggles to his left a little bit, but. You know, when I look at him playing and swinging, he's, he's got more talent in his body than Robbie Alomar did at age 21, 22 years old. So, I mean, there's potential right there. We, we would love to have you on sometime in the future. Uh, maybe we'll bump into you at one of these uh, White Sox events as well. Uh, we, we'd, we, we'd love to talk to you again sometime, but I really appreciate you coming on the show. It was a, it was a blast for us. Yeah, thank you, Ron, again. Well, it's my pleasure, and uh, anytime you want to, uh, shoot the breeze, you can give me a shout and uh, get this thing taken care of. And, and if I'm in your neighborhood, I just might stop by. That would be oh my wonderful. Gosh. I, don't, I don't know what I would do with myself. I would be very excited. I, 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 thanks. Now now I've run out of things to say, Ron. You've made my day. <laughs> We're going to get off the phone. I'm going to just skip throughout the house. Ron Kittle might choke my house. 
Like every time the doorbell well, rings now, I'm gonna be like, kids, that could be Ron Kittle! That could be Ron Kittle! <laughs> Socks in the basement! Socks in the basement! Socks in the basement! I just bumped into Andrea Birdie. This is Zach Birdie's aunt. You just told me that Soxfest is bigger than Christmas and your birthday. That's correct. So I wait for this weekend all year. I don't care about my birthday. I don't care about Christmas, any other holiday. This is my holiday weekend. Why isn't Zach here? Where, where, where's he at? He, I believe, is either in the Dominican or he's in Arizona. Get ready for spring training. Yes. And when he makes it, you get a skybox, right? I think I get the whole park. <laughs> I think I get the whole park. That's my plan. Because that's what I enjoy, going to the game, just sitting there and watching the whole game. You and Zach come down to Evergreen Park. We'll sit down. We'll do a show sometime, okay? That sounds awesome. awesome. We'd love it. All right. Enjoy Soxfest. Thank you. And you know what's funny, Dave, is that at the beginning, when we first decided we were going to do this podcast, we each listed five people that we wanted the most on this show. We did. And I'm winning two to nothing right now. I got Ron Kittle. And now I got Jason Benetti. Jason, how are you? Good. I have a uh, I have a friend who has a similar list for uh, he and his wife actually got to pick one person that they could safely sleep with, uh, <laughs> even though they're married. And he chose uh, Ariel from The Little Mermaid, and she was okay with that. <laughs> what? Uh, I want to know. I want to know who else is on the list. <laughs> this is well. You want my list to sleep with? Or you want my list. list? My list for people no, that no, we're no, going to interview. No, no, no. That was a segue away from a tragic possible topic. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> so, what? Who's on your other list of, of people you want to come on the show? I'm a big Frank Thomas fan, so uh, I would love to have the big hurt on the show at some point. Um, and then uh, one of the guys that I wanted, but I'm I'm worried about whether or not that I'm ever going to uh, get to talk to him now about the White Sox. And it probably bothers you that he's gone as I wanted to talk to Matt Davidson about podcasting because he's in the podcasting or a podcast. And then the, the poor guy gets uh, non-tendered last week. Yeah, it's sad for me. I like Matt Davidson quite a bit. We had a uh, we had a great time. And, uh, you know, it's one of those situations where whenever he shows up on the schedule working against the Sox, I'll, uh, I'll say hi and uh, I'll make fun of him for something. I want to ask you a question that we got on Twitter from uh, one of our followers that wanted to ask you a question and then piggyback it into, uh, into something else. At Ray Shipman asked, stated, first of all, I like the stats and probability broadcast at the wildcard game. Any plans to do something like that with Steve Stone this year? So I don't know exactly. I don't think we would just do a stat cast show. I, as I learn more and more about StatCast and Mike Petriello and Daniel Kramer and all the people over at StatCast have been instrumental in my deepening knowledge of that. And I care about it and I care deeply about the players as well. So if you just do a StatCast show over and over again, that that's not the takeaway from what we did. I think the thing that I was most heartened by on our telecast that we did for the NL wildcard game was the fact that people said the stats didn't get in the way. We were just using stats in a way that may have been more relevant to the situation. So my takeaway from that isn't uh, let's take the StatCast show and localize it. My takeaway is can we be even better in our telecast in how we apply statistics to what we do? Do we always have to put up home runs and RBIs? 
because I think the criticism sometimes of StatCast is, well, there's just too much clutter. And if the response to that is simply, let's do the same amount of stats, but let's do them better, I would never object to that. But not in the place of telling stories about the players, because that's the lifeblood of the game of baseball. Now, speaking of stats, though, one of the things that is becoming prevalent in Major League Baseball is the statistics on where hitters like to hit the ball. And there's an article out today uh, on a couple of websites saying that the commissioner of baseball is thinking about the idea of limiting shifts and everybody's throwing their two cents in. Do you have an opinion on this? Because on one hand, you could say, oh, you know, it's kind of changing the game with the shifting. But I'd like to see a guy be able to hit the ball the opposite way if everybody's sitting on the left side of the infield and, and it's wide open on the right side, right? Uh, there are a couple components here. It's a pretty layered thing. Uh, Ken Rosenthal, I believe, has done a story about how difficult it actually is for hitters to become shift feeders, which is, I mean, with how good pitchers have become. So that's one thing. You can't just necessarily always take that single because it's not that easy. I think it's very difficult to legislate. I don't know how you write into the rule book exactly where these players can be, especially with it being illegal to have any markings on the field to set an alignment. They may have to think about changing that as well. That's why you see players with those, um, you know, under their caps, they have uh, scouting reports on where to play somebody. You can't have any marking on the field. Like Adam Engel couldn't walk out and put a little chalk mark. Uh, out in center field to indicate where he should stand. We may have to change that for infielders. I don't know. I also think banning the shift takes away some strategy. It's like, it's like you're playing chess, right? And your rules are you can't move your queen in the first five moves of the game. Like in my house, we used to play, you have to go around once in Monopoly before you buy any property. That's a strategy changer. We didn't do it to improve pace of play in Monopoly. Maybe we should have thought about it. Uh, I just don't know. I don't know. I mean, it just seems like you're simplifying the game. Like you're making it easier or you're, you're making it less strategic. And I'm never for making a game less strategic. The layering of baseball is a beautiful thing. That said, if you read deeply about the way rules used to be, the people that are saying, oh, my gosh, you can't change our game. It's so fundamentally the same as it's been for so many years. That's garbage, too, because the DH showed up and we used to play with one baseball. And if it got hit into the crowd, we have to go chase it down. I don't want to go <laughs> running on the Dan Ryan for a baseball. So I'm good with rules changes. But this makes it more simplistic. And I'm not in favor of that specifically. So, Jason, we had a um, we had another question off Twitter. Uh, a Woody 1027 asks, uh, do you see Yon Mankata moving to third with Madrigal moving up the system? I don't think he's ready yet to come up this year, right? I've read stories about that. I, I think Rick Hahn has said it best that the Sox aren't making a decision on that right away. Uh, is that in the, the, the bag of possible choices? I think you'd have to be crazy to say no when you have somebody who's flexible that can play another position. Uh, I defer to what Rick said because he knows the development more than I. Before you hit the road, I, I we would have done a phone call, but the only phone caller that we got in actually asked, listen to this question. I got a question for the Facts uh, in the Basement podcast for uh, the Jason Beninetti guy. I'm wondering, Jason, if uh, you could get, uh, I guess he's your cousin or maybe your brother, the, the Andrew Beninetti from uh, the Red Sox to come over to the South Side. Uh, if we could sign him, that would be fantastic. I think he'd look wonderful next to Daniel Balka. 
and uh, why not even Bryce Harper over in uh, South Outfield? And hey, if we got a trade for him, maybe we can trade that uh, that handy angle and maybe like a the Class A pitching prospect for him. I think the Red Sox would take that. Uh, looking forward to hearing what you think. Hey, thanks, guys. I am not currently related to Andrew Benintendi, <laughs> but that, you never know. I mean, like, they have, like, these home DNA testing kits I see on Amazon all the right. time on Black Friday. And maybe we'll check maybe, it out. Maybe you're 27% uh, at Benintendi and you don't know it. Like, wow. maybe it's in there somewhere. Yeah, he's, he's slightly more athletic than I am. <laughs> hey, this is Acoustic Mike from Broadcast Basement, and you're listening to Socks in the Basement with Chris and his buddy Dave. I did the broadcast basement with Chris for 10 years, and nobody gave me a show. I'd leave if I had anything else to do with my life. Remember, the broadcast basement is available everywhere podcasts can be found and always at broadcastbasement.com. Hanging with James Fox, Loop Sports Future Socks. Now, this is going to get proven right or wrong by the time it airs. But do you think at this point, at the beginning of Sox Fest, that the White Sox announced some kind of move that shocks people? I don't think the White Sox announced anything, but I think a Jack Peterson trade leaks out somewhere. Wait a minute. Did James Fox ruin the Jack Peterson trade on the Sox in the Basement podcast? Is that what Rick Hahn was talking about? I'm just messing around. James is a great guest. We have him on all the time. Most of the stuff he talks about, though, is stuff that's happening in the moment. And if I were to sit there and play stuff that James talked about on the show in this review of the past year, I don't think it would make a lot of sense. I will, though, play a clip of Dave and myself talking shortly after SoxFest about the promo video that the White Sox put out at SoxFest to hype up the fans and introduce the new team for 2019. After you listen to this... And remember, this was recorded before we even got the spring training. You're going to have to wonder to yourself, should the guy that created the video be like promoted to some bigger position? Because the video maker knew this team better than anybody else did. Check it out. Starts off with Renteria. See some Abreu clips, Mancada clips, Delmonico shows up. Yomer's all over this thing. He shows up in seven different clips, including drawing a walk and flipping his bat. I've never seen that in a promo video. He drew a walk. I didn't, I didn't catch Flipped that. his bat. And, and like, they showed, like, the bat, like, going, like, like, like this crazy video thing. And I'm like, that's the most exciting walk draw on a promo video I've ever seen in my entire life. So he's in it all over the place. Anderson was in it, obviously. Daniel Polko's in it. Adam Engel's in it three um, times. Anderson's in it four times. But here's what I want to point out. There's a there's points in the montage where guys' names pop up. Yes, that's what I was going to get to. And they name the players. Abreu, Mancada, Anderson, Anderson Kopech, Kopech, and James McCann are the first five names really? that pop up. Okay? Then, the next time that they run through a bunch of names of the players, Ivan Nova... Kelvin Herrera, Yonder Alonso, John Jay, Jay, and Alex Colome. So all the acquisitions are in there. Yes, all With, the new guys. If you take out the acquisitions this year, and then Michael Kopech, who I found it interesting that he's going to be out the whole year, but they wanted to remind you that he's on the team. Yes, I found that interesting too. There are only three guys from last year's team who get the thing where they show their name across in like big bold letters. Jose Abreu. Yohan Mankata, 
Tim Anderson. Anderson. That's it. Yeah. They don't feature anybody else. I did notice that. They feature a bunch of prospects. Mike Rodolfo, Luis Basabe, Dylan Cease, Zach Collins, Eloy Jimenez, Nick Madrigal, Luis Robert, Zebby Zavala. Right. These are all guys that I would say are on the cusp of coming soon. Yes. If not in 2019 and 2020, you're going to see them. These are also the prospects that they're really kind of pushing. It is noticeable. Remember, we talked about Blake Rutherford recently. Not there. Not, Not there. there. Just like he dropped off the major league prospect list of the top 100. Yes. He's dropped out of the essential group that they're pushing as prospects. Note that. Because all these things are intentional. But also note this. Yomer's all over the thing. He was also all over Soxfest, So maybe they wanted to make sure that they showed him a few times in the video. But his name wasn't name there. Name doesn't show up. Daniel Polka. Name wasn't name there. Name doesn't show up, okay? Adam Engel. Adam Engel, name, name doesn't not, show not up. There. Nicky Delmonico, name doesn't show up. Shocking to me, Carlos Rodon. Yeah. The only pitcher, the only starters that showed up on the on there are Nova, who's a new acquisition. So that's why they're showing him. They're showing because yes. he's a new acquisition. Yes. And Michael Kopech, who isn't going to play this year. Right. And they're trying to remind you that he exists and he's coming back. But. Rodan doesn't get his name there, and I feel, me personally, I feel like he's the ace. People were like stroking uh, Lopez, you know, they were telling Reynaldo you were the best pitcher, a few people got up and said that when during one of his symposiums, Yep. and you can make the argument that he was, but when I look at just the stretch that Rodan had at the back end of last year, that's the guy you not only want to be your ace, you need him to be your ace in 2019. If he's not your ace, he isn't. No, he hasn't you, come through you, for you, right? If and he's not, a if he's not your ace, you have problems because that's a that's a very high first round draft pick a few years right. ago, and he's, but also he has the talent to do he has it. The and talent the only problem to has do been his injuries. injuries. Yeah. So, but but here is the marketing department hedging their bets. We can't put his name on there. What if he gets injured? What if he doesn't come out and look as sharp as he did during that stretch there towards the back end? What if he looks like how he did in the last couple of games? They didn't. Feature him, they they didn't they didn't feature fan favorite Daniel Polka, okay? They 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 didn't put his name up there. They they didn't feature Reynaldo Lopez, and he was at Soxfest. He was part of symposiums and he was signing things. Yes, they didn't feature him. I, I, maybe I'm reading too much into it, but I think what the marketing department does is say, who do we know is going to be on the team? Well, we know all the guys they acquired are going to be on the team because there's no way the White Sox are spending money and then the guy doesn't make the team. See what I'm saying? Yes. We know that we know that the team loves Anderson. He's their draft pick and they're into him and they're going to stick with him forever. We know Moncada's on the team. We know Abreu's on the team. You're not going to mention anybody else. Why? Because you're still trying to pick up other free agents. You don't know what's going to end up happening here. Han even said it at Soxfest. So you're not going to put yeah, Sanchez, he said we're not done. You're not putting Yomer's name up there as like the third baseman in case Machado's standing at third base. You see what I'm saying? Right. You're you're not you're not putting Polka up there or Angle up there or Delmonico, like none of the outfielders' names are showing up on there because you have no idea what your outfield is going to look like. You might have guys that are going to come in in spring training and steal a job. You know, Jimenez is going to get here, but they don't want to act like he's here already because, of course, they're going to hold him back for service time. You don't know on the outside chance Bryce Harper shows up, but you and I don't believe that that's possible. But they don't know how it's going to shake out in the outfield. So since they don't know how it's going to shake out, the names aren't featured. Mm-hmm. And 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 I think that as a fan, that's how I, I I looked at it first. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. First thing that jumped out at me is like McCann. I mean, think about it. Like the first time they showed the names, it's like, dun, 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 dun. So there's like five names on all the beats, right? Right. Abreu, Mancada, Anderson, Kopech, McCann. Like, what? <laughs> <laughs> I saw 
I saw Kopech. I saw Kopech, and that made me go, hmm. Well, well, okay. yeah, first yeah. of all, I was like, okay, well, Kopech, but they're just trying to talk about the future. And the very next is the guy McCann. McCann he's on a yeah. one-year deal, and he's not the future. Like, I was so confused by that. But here's the one I want to point out. I took the 40-man roster and I put it up against the list of guys that show up in the video. There is a glaring omission that makes me happy. I hope it was on purpose. I'm sure there's a few. No, no, no. There's one glaring omission. Because I, you, I think I know who it you is. You can take out, look, look. I think I know who it is. Take, but they have I? the four starters. Okay, they've got the four starters. They've got Jace Fry in there. They've got all the big back-end closers. I don't expect Nate Jones to be in it. That's not a, like a glaring omission. He's not in it, but it's not a glaring omission if a bullpen guy's not in there. Okay, all of your starting infielders show up at some point. All of your basic outfield guys are at some point. Leary Garcia makes it in there. Here's the glaring omission. James McCann gets his name up there, and he's in the first five guys. Wellington Castillo, Castillo is nowhere, nowhere to be found it. in the video. Nowhere to be found in the video. That was exactly who I was going to say you were going to say. A, like, that stuck out to me. Every guy on the 40-man roster, every guy on the 25-man roster, basically, that has a chance made it in the video. Now, there's a collision at the plate with a sax catcher, but there's no way you could even tell who the guy is that made the, that, that's in the play because he's, he's in his mask. It's bang, bang. If they, and even if that is Wellington Castillo, massive omission. You go and you put McCann's name up there in the first group of players that you're looking forward to in 2019, White Sox fans. That's what the marketing department's telling you. Wellington Castillo, not in the video. Andy Castellanos is on the phone line with us right now. He has a band called the St. Rita Believe Band. If you go to www.baseballbelieve.com where you can learn more about this band, the guy sitting right on the front page is the White Sox very own Yuan Mancada. And then when you click and see all the other people that are believing, like you go to their Instagram page, he's everywhere on the thing. Is he one of your biggest supporters, Andy? Yuan uh, is, is, I think he is one of our biggest supporters. Avi, Avi Garcia was another uh, supporter of, of the band. He's no longer with the Sox, but uh, there are many, uh, many other Sox are, 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 are followers, but I, I believe that Yuan is, is the biggest one. So tell me a little bit about the band. Uh, give me the kind of the cliff notes for the, anybody who's listening to the Sox in the basement this week on what the band is about, why the players are wearing the bands. Yeah, I mean, if if you're aware, San Rita has a lot of connection to the game of baseball. It goes back to the 1920s. Uh, fast forward to 2002 with the movie The Rookie, uh, and San Rita uh, has to do a lot with baseball. I created the band based on those historical facts, and and with something that happened to me personally with one of my uh, uh, with my one of my baseball bats that 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 I collect. Uh, which uh, which uh, brought me a lot of blessings from uh, from the bat and 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 with and and with that thing happened happening to me I, I created the band and and we launched our website a year and a half ago and it all started uh, with uh, one of the uh, batting practice uh, pitchers from the Sox his name is uh, uh, Cash uh, and uh, he uh, actually saw our advertising in a uh, in a magazine that I had on Baseball America and basically he just uh, Order some of the bands uh, from me, and then all of a sudden he invited me to go to to Chicago in 2017, and that's where I met everybody. and And I talked to them a, a little bit about the band to the players, and and that's how it started. And now Saint Rita of Casha is, and I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna impress my mother, who has been making rosaries for the local church for the last 20 years, the patron saint of impossible causes. 
Are the players wearing them because they need a boost? Do they tell you why they wear them? Is this a uh, is this something where they're they're like, you know what, I'm having a rough time out there. I need to put my Saint Rita bracelet on. Well, I think it's I think the players wear it because of the historical connection that she has with the game of baseball. Not only with the rookie in 1951, there was a famous baseball game played in New York between the Brooklyn Dodgers and the and the New York Giants, and uh, that was the shot that was heard around the world, the Bobby Thompson uh, home run in the bottom of the ninth inning. Uh, uh, and that particular uh, game, uh, the baseball was never found in, in 1951. So they did a documentary called Miracle Ball, the shot that was heard around the world. Figure out what happened in, uh, in the doc, and you know, with the mystery behind the baseball, and, and the mystery behind the baseball, uh, it's St. Rita is behind the baseball, or the Bobby Thompson home run ball. What do we learn looking back at the first year of audio aired on Socks in the Basement each and every week for 30 minutes? Juan Moncada and so many other players started wearing St. Rita bracelets. Clearly worked for him. Ron Kittle knows his baseball, and I gush like a little fanboy every time I hear him talk. James Fox is the reason we don't have Jack Peterson. I'm just kidding, James. I may have manipulated that audio slightly. Jason Benetti is not related to Andrew Benatendi and will also air anybody's phone call on this show. And it's quite possible the guy who does the promo clips for the White Sox has a time machine. Because how do you call James McCann becoming James McCann in February? I mean, that part just blows my mind. I also noticed the sound quality got a lot better on this show. That said, there's so much to go back and listen to on Sox in the Basement over the past year. We leave it up. The warts and all. If I made a prediction like Tim Anderson sucks and he's never going to be any good, it's there. Have I admitted I was wrong? You bet. Did I erase and hide it? Not a chance. I own my mistakes. That way I get to take credit for me sitting around in the back half of last year and all offseason telling everybody, don't worry, Yohan Mankata is going to be great. You win some, you lose some, but we keep putting them out. Half hour episodes each and every Wednesday of Socks in the Basement. Make sure you subscribe if you haven't done it before so you don't miss an episode. Go back and listen to the old ones if you're new. Hit us up at Socks in the Basement on Twitter or on Instagram. Socks in the Basement's on Facebook as well. And remember, you can call us and leave a message anytime about anything. 708-459-8406. 708-459-8406. You may end up on a show. You may end up on next year's big show where I go back and look at the last year of Socks in the Basement shows, otherwise known as Chris Needs a Week Off. We'll see you next week, just in time for the trade deadline, the anticipation killing me. This is Socks in the Basement, found everywhere podcasts can be found and always at SocksInTheBasement.com. Thank you, everybody, for a great first year. Bye-bye. Another show is wrapped up. Another show's in the books. Another show is wrapped up. And then by the looks, it's going to be a good one. And we'll see you next week. And the nude is basement. And the nude is basement. Another show is wrapped up. Another show is wrapped up. Another show is wrapped up. And it's in the books. Another show is wrapped up, another show is wrapped up, and by the looks, it's gonna be a good one. Nudie's Basement, broadcast, Basement, the Nudie's Basement, the Broad Basement. Slancha. That was like Dropkick Murphys or something, right? (laughs)
I felt like it. I love Bill Walton. <laughs> that must I love have been Maui. such a trip to hang out with him. I mean, that, that must have been oh. just a blast. I mean, the guy, the guy's an absolute genius. I know he gets a bad rap for not talking about the game. True, sometimes he doesn't talk about the game. But uh, he's a genius. He loves life. He has been in so many dark places that are well-documented because of injuries and sheer breakdown of his body that he sucks the marrow in a, in a positive way out of life every day. And I want to be around that. Do you think he really didn't know who the White Sox were when he said, what, uh, who are I, the White Sox? I did not care to find out. <laughs> oh, man. I believe... I be- no, no, no. I believe I believe he knows every step of what he's doing. He is so sharp <laughs> right, and so right, locked good, in. Good, I good. guarantee you that was a ruse just to see where I'd go from there. <laughs> uh, and I mean, but like he knew Jerry Reinsdorf and then pretended he didn't know the White Sox. He knew my parents' names, but not my name. So I, I don't really know what the common thread there is other than farcical behavior for the enjoyment of all of us. Socks in the Basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found and always on SocksInTheBasement.com.